Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, everybody, welcome to Waterfall Wednesday, the full-scale outdoors podcast. This is going to be a little bit different. Uh, Let Nick Johnson take the reins on this one, and he conducted an interview I actually have yet to listen to it because uh, he sent me this when I was in South Dakota guiding and I didn't have time to put everything together and get it up. He's been waiting for it. I know y'all have been waiting for a Waterfall Wednesday. So uh, here we go. We're going to get back on track with the Waterfall Wednesdays, and uh, this one should be fun. I, I, I'm as excited to listen to it as y'all are. <laughs> so here's uh, here we go. This is Nick Johnson, Waterfall Wednesday. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Ooh, I love that sound. This is a good one. Welcome to the Waterfall Wednesday podcast. I'm your host, Nick Johnson, and uh, today we've got a pretty cool guest. I'm down here at uh, the farm, is what it's called, right? Here with Lee Kios. Did yeah. I say that right, dude? Yeah, it's close enough. Close Chos. Enough. Chos. Chos. Yep. So um, I thought this would be a great conversation to have today because you have been living and breathing duck hunting since... Forever. Forever. And... Uh, I think me and you agree on a ton of different issues, but we kind of had different paths to coming to the same conclusion. Mm-hmm. And anything I think we disagree on we, is probably, uh, like if there's anybody who could um, make me think, oh, maybe I'm wrong, is a guy like who's been li- living and breathing duck hunting as long as you have. But there's something I've been waiting a long time for, and that is I got to get the snow goose none of it story. The Nunavits? The Nunavits. Hunting, hunting in the Nunavits? <laughs> yes. Now that, uh, I, just, I love waterfall adventure, yeah. and that yeah. sounds oh, like it's about the ultimate. Oh, it's, do you, do you know Donnie Vincent? I don't. No? Have you heard of him? No. In his films, and beautiful, and you know, he's a biologist, and he does these outrageous, like crazy hunting films, right? Beautiful, like Nat Geo stuff, right? Oh, awesome. Well, I was with Donnie yesterday, and we were just talking about the Nunavits and how we can do that DIY and it would be rough. Mm-hmm. It would be really rough to do it. Um, logistically, just getting in there would be hard. Yeah. Well, what, what are you guys using? Like whatever you can pretty much get on that six wheeler or what, like uh, uh, for you, decoys. I mean, how do you well, even get those up there? You don't use decoys. You don't, huh? No. What do you use? The sticks for the dead birds? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Or you, or you just, <clears throat> or you just pass shoot them. They're really at that that time of the year. I don't think they're interested in like others, right? 
They're breeding. It's starting to like yeah, territorial. She's, she's stuff. got. Yep. She's got it. She's got to lay eggs. Right. So, they're. A, I think what made the trip so fun. Well, do the first trip. I've been there three times, and the first one was just outrageous. We crashed a plane. What? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We crashed an airplane. Got through that. I mean, people were, you'd go like, well, how do you, you know, I mean, some people got hurt, you know, not bad, but bloodied and like <clears throat> maybe a broke shoulder or something like that. But it wasn't that bad. <laughs> you know, the, it, and I think the reason it wasn't, well, the weather was bad getting in there. And I think we flew that trip. I th- think we flew out of Thompson. Manitoba, man, I'd have to go back and are all three of these trips for spring snows? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Well, and seeing other birds and photographing, yeah, absolutely, it's just just unbelievable, you know. It looks like another planet when you look at it on Google Earth. And then when you when you're hunting these white geese up there on the west the west shore of Hudson Bay, I mean. Hudson Bay in the middle of May still has like four feet ice on it. Yeah. So the polar bears are still on the ice. They're not on land yet. <laughs> yeah. They're out on the ice hunting seals. Okay. Right? And but the the geese are migrating and they're coming up this these corridors like the Churchill and the Nelson yes. and they're trying to get to these areas that they nest. And mm-hmm. they just keep every like nice day. Every day it's blue. Mm-hmm. Well, they just they're roaring. Right, just a just a stream of migrators. Yep. yep. Okay. But not, not like that massive, loud flocks that we hear down here. It's not like like that the bottleneck all. in the Dakotas. It's not like that at all. They're mm-hmm. quiet. Um, many are paired up, and they move. I don't know. They just sometimes they move just like owls, just quiet. So it's really odd. But they're not interested in. Anything other than getting to where they got to go to lay eggs. And Manitoba's got that Canada goose season for March this year. And uh, I was thinking the same thing. Like, well, how do you get the birds to decoy when, I mean, you, we notice all the pairs around here. Like, we're not going to set a spread and, and hunt those things. All they're interested in doing is standing on the ice and fighting anything else that wants to stand on that yep. ice. I think, I think honkers... Down here in the spring are different though than way different even than those white geese on in the Nunavuts. I was there's a piece of sheet water here just about a mile to the west of the farm here, and it's like a big flooded cornfield right now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and it is just plum full of it's just plum full of honkers. Some swans, some tundra swans, and greenhead started to show up here a few days ago too but the honkers so i sit there and you know you photograph or watch them and because i love to watch birds and even like the honkers they come from all over you know it's not like Mm -hmm. they come from one direction here they just they're all over so i think like if you were spring hunting and that manitoba thing you're talking about oh they'll they'll decoy but the white geese up in the noon of it they don't decoy they don't. Would it even be? I mean, so what was this? Mostly just pass shooting, or yeah, you would getting their attention, Mm-mm. trying to get them to fly no, over. No, no calls. Mm-mm. They're like they're on a path, just like a caribou trail. 
Oh, I shit. mean, oh yeah, they're on a path, and you'd go out, and there'd be a little tiny like black or white spruce tree up there, and you'd cut that down, and then move that over and stick that in the snow, and then maybe get behind that little spruce bush and <laughs> look for bands that and look for collars. Oh, it's wild and wild. And have you ever uh, hunted it that far north in the fall? No. No? That would be kind of interesting because maybe they are more interested in deep I like, and... oh, they would be. Well, you have babies, right? Mm-hmm. In the fall. Mm-hmm. Well, in the spring, in the middle of May, you're just shooting adults. Right. I mean, people even go, well, there's juvies, but yeah, they don't look like juvies anymore. They're... Oh, and I mean, what's a juvie that's been hunted for six months? I mean, I've, I've gone out in April to the Dakotas and you find these juvie pods and it's 90% gray birds, but mm-hmm. they've been getting harassed constantly, mm-hmm. especially since they're the last little yeah. flock off a freeway in the Dakotas. Like, they are not decoying. We call them uh, super juvies. <laughs> yeah, well, they get awfully they get awfully smart. It doesn't take very many gunshots for mm-hmm. any bird to we'll figure it out. Yeah, like the pressure is a is a big deal, and mm-hmm. uh, I guess I, we can kind of get into a little bit of I don't know some topics. Like I, I've heard you discuss on other podcasts, and then I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Like me and you both know Jeff Foyles, and yep. he used to have that club down in Illinois. Yep. And he was telling me one time that um, that club he Straight killed meat. He killed X amount of ducks, you know, in 1997 or, or 2001. Yeah. And then that same club and its new owner killed like maybe 10% of that now. Mm-hmm. And um, there's some nocturnal mallard activity that is developing because of the hunting pressure and the environment. And also a lot of these flooded corn clubs just aren't doing well. And you hear it all the time where guys are walking <laughs> out and they kick out 2,000 ducks in the dark. And then they sit there and they see five ducks all day. That's right. And so um, what are your thoughts on, I guess, that situation? And do you think there's a chance it could kind of self-regulate itself, really? Because how many how many years are guys going to flood corn before they say this doesn't work anymore? They won't. They won't ever quit? Uh, no. Well... <laughs> I was just on a pod. I don't remember what. Well, I was just on a podcast maybe a week or so ago, and Jimbo Ronquist R and T, and a few other dudes, you know, like major duck hunters, right? Mm-hmm. We're on this podcast, and we were kind of coming at it from different different regions, mm-hmm. right? Because like waterfalling to me is very regional. Totally. Like what. What they hunt, how they hunt, so what true. they use for gear, mm-hmm. what they shoot. People tend to copy each other in a region. All of it, right? So you have, for sure, you have the Stuttgart area, and then you have St. Joe, Missouri area, and then you have the Butte Sink, or you have the Great Salt Lake in Utah. But yeah, mm-hmm. these regions. Mm-hmm. And flooded, the one thing I hear... <clears throat> all the time now is greenheads becoming nocturnal they're just not the way they used to be mm-hmm. right and then you hear in some areas well like foils this year i i bet you he posted something on facebook i'm not a facebook guy at all but he posts something on facebook about greenheads being nocturnal down there in that area no one knows that area down by Pittsfield, Illinois, that river better than Jeff does. No, no yeah, one. he's a river rat. No since he's, he's a river rat. Yep, and he's a fantastic hunter, 
and he's also whatever other people think or say or whatever he's a great person and he's a really really good true guy oh he's he's awesome love my family we love him to death um but we were talking he's like because we still talk a lot and he he asked me what i thought about that and i'm like oh i said i've totally seen flooded corn become a major issue for some people especially diy people Mm -hmm. right right i mean like the big money dudes and i get it if you got it it, I, I'm not saying I don't get it, mm-hmm. but does it have effects right on birds? So I think anything that goes far one way has to take away from some other area, right? Right. Okay. So as good as this might be for a handful, it's not good for a whole bunch of others. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that does happen, right? Right. The question is, why are they nocturnal? Are they nocturnal because of flooded corn, or does that just I help them? I think, and people have heard me say this on podcasts a, a ton, they've changed because of pressure on their food. Mm-hmm. Right? I would agree with well, that. that's what I think. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a biologist. I can't prove this out by science, but... I really would love to get the conversation going, a respectful debate mm-hmm. about why they're changing because it's undeniable that greenhead be- behavior is changing. Mm-hmm. It's undeniable. They're very adaptable. Well, they're like white geese. Yes. They right? are like a goose. More. Well, they're more like a white goose than anything. I mean, yep. it can go back to all those years I spent in Saskatchewan and Alberta, and I would consider... Like when I did that, like the heyday of DIYing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. On the prairie up there by yourself. You did, there was very, very, very little hunting pressure. Um, it was easy to obtain permission. Mm-hmm. There was no guiding and outfitting going on at that time. Mm-hmm. And the ducks and white geese acted way different than they do right now Mm -hmm. but no one hunted ducks in a field back then we Mm -hmm. shot ducks on the water right we decoyed them and water dogs and water decoys tell me how you hunt ducks on a field with no spinners (laughs) well i mean (laughs) you can i mean you've i i've here's another thing like the biggest changes that ever happened in hunting greenheads or for that matter a lot of other things too but was ron latchaw's layout blind yep and the spinner. Mm-hmm. That, they were like major game changers. I, that was right when pe- I was coming in. Yep. A yeah. lot of people use that word game changer and it's really not. They were. Yeah. <laughs> I remember being in a slough in South Dakota in maybe 2000. You, did you know Paul England and uh, his son Matt? Yeah. Hold Paul's on. calls. Um, yeah, hold on a second. Matt England was making spinners out in Paul's shed in Minnetonka. Me and my dad got one. We brought it to South Dakota with us. And we were on a mallard migration day sitting in this pond with one Here. spinner out. Oh, okay, oh so, my God. So you see this label? Do you remember that? Oh, I drew me, that for Paul. You did not. Oh, really? Yeah, look at him. Yeah, I drew all that. Man, I've got... Me and Paul... Paul was my mentor on duck calling. Oh, he's... Me, me and my dad. awesome. Have you seen him? 
Yes, I have. Uh, just uh, actually, it might have been two, the last time Game Fair was held. I was with him last year, probably over at his house, probably three times. Yeah. Oh yeah. God, just sit down and drink coffee with dude. Paul and I were. Oh well, you know, before his boy, it broke his heart. You know, when his yep. boy died. Yep. But you know, that was his not only his boy, but his hunting buddy too. Mm-hmm. You know, so that took him a while to. You know, I don't even know if he has recovered from it. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how you do recover from it. I right. Felt so bad for him, but and being Matt too, we're buddies. Considering yep. I was, you know, fourteen or fifteen years yep. old, but the spinners, me and my dad sat there and we watched flock after flock of migrating mallards come into this random slough in South Dakota, and I mean, we were talking after that, like I think, I think ducks are gonna go extinct, <laughs> like when with just one spinner. And they did learn, they'd learned their lesson a little bit, these ducks, but it, when you say game changer, like the, the, the impression we had on spinners that in 2000, 2001 was like, this is not good almost. Yeah, it was... And when you talk about like hunting them on their food source, okay, if me and you went to Saskatchewan and 30 years ago and we weren't going to hunt on a field and we shot our 16 greenheads, how many birds got exposed to gunfire for us to achieve that 16 bird limit? Maybe we decoyed a couple groups of 20 and a, a couple few singles here and some five packs. We're talking about like 150 birds that heard a gunshot. Me and you go out into a, a barley field or a, a pea field up there and we shoot our 16 greenheads. How many mallards got exposed to right. gunfire for us right. to get those 16? Now we're talking about right. maybe a thousand, maybe a thousand in one flock. And it, I don't think human disturbance <clears throat> is necessarily that that dramatic to a bird but gunfire is when they see a whole bunch of their buddies get rained out of a flock that's dramatic i mean if if it was just human disturbance that really bugged birds we should outlaw fishing um because those fishermen are out there bugging the shit out of them all summer long that gunfire though and when we expose 10 times the amount of birds per hunt to that gunfire accumulatively yeah that's gonna have a major major effect here's the deal so if you go back to what we were talking about nocturnal birds mm-hmm. okay if they're harassed and i don't mean just harassed let's say they're hunted, hunted let's just yes. say they're hunted and they're hunted on their food every day and they are now mm-hmm. every day mm-hmm. saskatchewan you know manitoba alberta from what is it? When does it open all these days? Is September it September 1. 15th or is it September 1? In the northern areas, September 1. Yeah. Okay. Then, through the Dakotas, I mean, just, they're, they're hunted on their food mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. Okay. That never happened before. So, people would go, well, what's the difference between doing that or hunting them or back shooting, on, back shooting them on a piece of water or a small piece of water? I'm like... Well, huge. <laughs> I'm like, well, they just they just move over to that piece of water over there, and like, well, that's what they do for food. It's not true. That's not what they do. They try to they try to feed. You sit, watch, circle, and do. And they look, and now they're trying to find another spot. Do they eventually land? Yes. Yep. But here's the other thing that they're doing now is they're like, the how the hell with that? <laughs> I'm going to do this at night. And they they can do that, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it, it doesn't work the same. It's like you said, you back shoot them on a tiny piece of water or whatever, and 
Here come three, four, five. You pick the green heads out. Two guys that are pretty handy with a shotgun. Yeah. Doesn't take that long. Take your birds. Get out of there. Leave them alone. They rat. I mean, it's just way different. Yeah. The other thing is different is the amount of people in the field. It's not like there's two guys anymore. How many? If you have to shoot 64 green heads. Eight, (laughs) ten, eight, ten, twelve dudes, right? Mm -hmm. You see on a whatever on social media or whatever there might be like a, a, t- a 10 man by eight forty-five in the morning yeah so 10 times you're eight you've, you killed 80 okay <laughs> and most of them are hands and young of the year yep those are the suckers to those spinners these days yep and you quite you can't really you know they're you know early in the year they don't quite look like a tricked out greenhead in january but right so i'm not saying that's and I'm not going to be the guy that, like, says that's a bad thing. It's got to stop. What I am saying, though, is universally across the country, people think greenheads are changing and duck hunting is changing. Why? Is it good? Is it adverse? To is it adverse? Right. Mm-hmm. If so, like the community should get together, do podcasts. Get people on, talk about it, have respectful debate, and go. No, that's not right, and I'm cool. And uh, I guess one thing too is, I know I feed ducks <coughs> in my front yard in Fridley. You pour some corn out, and I mean this is the middle of suburbia, and I've got 200 mallards filtering through the trees, landing in my yard. And these are not park ducks; these are true They're wild, wild mallards. They're like wild if green. I peek out of the blinds. Um, they will explode out of there. They, they, it's not like they're cool with humans. But one thing I've noticed is the day I stop feeding mallards in my front yard, I've been doing this like six or seven years now, is the day there's any like standing water. Like They don't prefer to go into my front yard to eat corn. They prefer to do wild mallard shit. And it doesn't matter if it's in a little um, a ditch off the freeway. As soon as they can get their feet wet and, f- mm-hmm. and feed, that corn does not, no longer interest them at all. And now I'm thinking about these clubs and everybody's got flooded corn. Well, how long is it going to be before somebody, uh, you know, uh, does bug management? And because a mallard, a, a duck does, just doesn't eat corn its entire life. And it's, it's got a lot more nutritional desires and needs, you know. That's like us eating meatloaf every single day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Eventually you're going to want, you know, some seafood. <laughs> and there's a lot of different foods that waterfowl eat. So I guess is it gonna sell, uh, is it gonna regulate itself where guys are gonna say you know what this corn just ain't fucking working I'm sick of sitting here <laughs> I'm sick of spending x amount of thousands of dollars per season yeah. and then we shoot five birds per day like w- what are we gonna do to change this and I've heard even some guys like um, for geese like starting to instead of uh, wanting corn around their pits they want green grass and um, something that's gonna provide a different nutritional need for the birds that they're not having success hunting over. Do you think that's a possibility where it starts uh, to may, regulate may, itself? May, I don't I I don't think hunters anymore have the ability to regulate themselves. Yeah, there's there's some of that. Mm, I don't think not so much. Not so much. And, and you it, can have too much of a good thing like I say can cause can and and there's it's there's two sides to every issue and there's a yep. lot of gray and yep. I mean for all the we can say it's a negative thing for so many ducks to be hunted over spinners but how many kids went out on their first mallard hunt in a field and saw that 500 flock locked wings coming into the spread and hook for life 
And that's somebody who's going to benefit waterfowl because now they're going to be a, right. a conservation organization member. They're going to be doing stuff that benefit waterfowl. Well, that happened because of something we're talking about that's negative, right. hunting them in a food source. Well, right. uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of gray area in, mm-hmm. in this whole thing. And mm-hmm. one thing about nocturnal mallards too, I, oh, I can't help but wonder is, did they do nocturnal feeding 500 years ago? Like maybe it's a part of their genetics. Mm-hmm. And what? I, I don't even think whitetail bucks were nocturnal. Oh, right. Years, years ago. Mm-hmm. We made them nocturnal. Mm-hmm. I live here on this farm, right? You drove in here, right? Yeah. You'll see does every day, 24-7, 365, you'll see them. Right. Right? You never see bucks. Same around my house. The you, big... <laughs> same. You see them at same. dark. Bonnie and I will be out at, you know, with friends or something like that at night, and we'll be coming home and... You know, one in, <laughs> one in the morning, and we'll come down, and that's when you'll see them. Right. Right? But in the day, no, you can see a buck in the day here. The biggest deer I ever saw in my life was right in Fridley, and uh, it was during the rut, and that's the, the only time you would ever see Of course. Up, and yeah. I, it was on the corner of Mississippi and Central, and I screamed across that red light because I saw it tra- tramp across the road. I don't know shit about hood, hooved animals, but I yelled audibly, Elk! <laughs> this thing was so damn big, but... I mean, like you said, I'll see does 365 days a year. Right. And um, I guess, too, another point, too, about the flooded corn is they say, well, ducks aren't migrating anymore because of all this flooded corn. They don't have to go as far south. Okay, well, how many um, how many widgeons did you see out there? How many gadwalls did you see? How many, you know, it's not ducks that aren't migrating. It's mallards. And I think in the, especially in the duck hunter community, the word ducks is synonymous with Green, mallards. With greenheads. And uh, I would say it's yeah. not ducks aren't mal- migrating anymore. They're migrating the same as they always have, except mallards. Um, and if you look at, like the Central Flyway uh, midwinter counts just came out. 2.5 million out of 3.5 million ducks counted were in Texas. And so when somebody says ducks don't migrate anymore, I'm going, well, that's not true. <laughs> um, I guess. I, I, is there just no effort being put out in the South or no interest in hunting other, any other species other than mallards? I've heard you say without mallards, we're all out of a job. We are. And they're the most fascinating of all the ducks. They're the most oh, addicting. It's just, it's, it's, it's just the, the whole industry. I mean, would, would there still be duck hunting and stuff like that? Well, yeah, of course there would be, right? But I'm saying like, people that have a job or a career in the outdoor world mm-hmm. if it's not for a white tail buck and a green it no you're no we don't have a job right it, it's just so commerce right big time nobody in louisiana wants to shoot gadwalls it seems well i mean I, you know and i got nothing against all the and i love shooting bluebills and canvas backs and you know love widgeon and love blueing teal and wood ducks and you know but I love, I just love ducks in general. Yeah, right? me too. But I mean, yeah, I, without here, look at this. This is the, this is the next issue. Not out yet, but it's the next issue of Ducks Unlimited. Ducks Unlimited just reached like t- fifteen million acres. I heard conserved. you say that. Yeah. Right. So to put that into perspective. When people go, oh, I don't give my money to Ducks Limited, they're this and they're that. I'm like, oh, dude, that ain't right. I That's 23,000 square miles of habitat conserved. 
right? So that's the next cover, right? Uh-huh. And I shot her in that brood up in northern Minnesota last year. But oh, that, that she's she's the reason we do what we do. She is. I, I totally agree she's with you. The most important animal like to a duck hunter mm-hmm. is a hand mallard. Yes, it is. It's, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's... That's enough. We, we we can get into the conservation thing later on. Well, what is if you want what's to, your thoughts on how do we bring back conservation organizations? Because it seems like from people people from my generation it. and let's say younger, because I was still going to a lot of banquets up until a few years ago yeah. um, with my dad, and I was MWA member and uh, or you know if not um, active, I was at least a member. But there's definitely seems to have been. Not seems. There's no more Minnesota Waterfall Association anymore. That's awful. How do we get people back into? I don't think the and, youth care. And it may, it may, maybe it's a result of you know, people older than me lived through two, you know thirty day duck seasons and uh, restrictive limits. From the time I re- can remember, it's been a liberal framework: six ducks per day, four mallards forever. So is it a, a forever? It's been that way for so long to, to the point where a 34-year-old man can't remember anything anything different. Right. It, um, is it too, too, met, like too much of a good thing? Like they don't think we need these conservation organizations? I think the age demographic changes. And like back in the, <coughs> back in the day, you know, I mean, I'm 60, I'm 60 years old right now. So when I, in the 70s, I was a teenager. And you did things like your it was usually with your dad or your uncles or your grandpa or you know somebody that mentored you, but typically it was your family. And back then, they were way more conservation-minded people than people are today. They were into woodsmanship skills, like you know what. Boss shot shells. You know how I always talk about patterning your patterning your gun. Yes. Right. Take you know learning the relationship between your bore diameter and your choke and your shell and what it does. And it's not that I'm trying to sell people on anything. What I want them to do is become better at what they're doing. Become better at killing. Mm-hmm. Let's let's reduce the crippling rate. We can do that. We don't need anybody to tell us that. Right. Okay, all those things are, to me, fall under woodsmanship skills, and they're lost now. Same thing with, with habitat and conservation organizations. <clears throat> if people argue, I, and I, this, this one just absolutely drives me nuts. I don't like Ducks Unlimited. I'm a Delta Waterfall guy. Well, I personally am huge in both. Right. I want them both. I pay for both as well. Like you say, 30 bucks is a shitty really? burger. Really? I mean, that's a <laughs> shitty hamburger and a bad beer, right? No, really, I got 30 dude? Bucks. You're going to go duck hunting and you don't have 30 bucks or 35 bucks for that? I, dude, I do not. I can't even tolerate that. I, I agree. Pheasants forever, PF, join. I don't even care if you hunt pheasants. Give them, give them a few bucks. Rough Grouse Society, quail, all of it. I mean, I'm trout unlimited, dude. I'm in all of them. Yeah, and they say how many, you know, <coughs> X amount just goes to administration. Okay, well, they got lobbyists in what Washington. Ha- it has are- <laughs> to. It can't not. It, it of can't not. not. 
you know, so like, you know, Sam Soholt's program that he has. What's that? You know, I did the. He's got this stamp it, stamp it forward program mm-hmm. where if you buy, um, oh, how does it work with Stammy? Are you talking about the uh, Fed stamp? Yeah, yeah, the Federal Duck stamp. I want to start selling does. those things too. Oh, it's super cool. His program, his idea, right? So we did this, came up with this cases for conservation forum, and printed, you know, custom printed a, you know, a Boss money bag and made a bag of shorties for him and got that out there and every the proceeds that went in there he would take the money and go right down to the right down to the uh post office and he'd buy federal duck stamps Mm -hmm. and then like a t-shirt would go out and he'd put a federal duck stamp in the t-shirt out it goes right Mm -hmm. i think the migratory bird stamp program i want to say it's around 90 Give take a tiny bit. Around ninety percent of that money goes directly into wetlands. It does refuge yeah. system, all that. And the Pittman right? Robertson stamps, uh, yeah, or the tax. Well, Pittman yep. Robinson, that's a that's 10%. a that's a tax. Yeah, eleven yep, percent. Yep. Yep. yep, yep, and that is a huge. Yep. Oh, dude, huge. Uh, a, it's a huge number. So, I think to answer your question, circling back, why is it? not as you know as big or as popular as it used to be it's the demographics changing so we have to get the young guns that are out there Mm -hmm. we got to get them going on that and i think every single person no matter what age they are if you say hey do you want more ducks and geese next year they're going to say yes do you want to behave in a way and invest your money in a way that um results in better hunting for you next year of course everybody says yes but i guess i'm just getting sick of emailed about the goddamn gun calendar like i you know every conservation organization it just seems like they they're a fucking calendar business like these days and i I, you know everybody's so conspiratorial minded too like you see the money going in and then they just when they contact me all these organizations just (coughs) donate 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 it's like well what are you doing with it? If there's more publicity on like, hey, like you said, this, how many million acres Ducks Unlimited is doing? 15. 15 million, you know, like people got to see that more, I think. And like you go to a Ducks Unlimited project and you look at it, look at it you're like, holy shit, this is where the money went. Oh, yeah. But when they contact me, I'm not seeing that like in my emails. And uh, it's, I, every everybody wants more ducks and geese, but... What what worked before is not working now. Otherwise, there'd still be MWA. So people still want the birds. They want to do the right thing, but they aren't being motivated to. And how do we change that? How do we get people back into, maybe not back into banquets, <coughs> but at least back into believing in these organizations? Well, like I say, I mean, like you're doing a podcast here and you get your, your voices heard. And I think... There's a bunch of people when they hear it and they go, well, yeah, I should, I should belong to that. But I also think, you know, like another, you know, it's probably a chicken and egg thing here, but you know, hunter recruitment is down. Mm-hmm. I mean, it went up a little bit because of the COVID stuff and people being cooped up and home and things like that. And hey, have you so heard they, of R three? R3, Recruit, Reactivate, Retain. That's like the federal program, and they have a state director in every state. And uh, every state has an R3 program. 
And I've <coughs> been doing, for the last decade, I've been doing, you know, youth calling seminars and I, I get the money. I do it up here at the Horse and Hunt Club and at their youth hunting club. And, uh, man, I've just, I've been emailing people. I've been trying to get more and more involved. And it's, it's tough if you're not in the actual, like, governmental agency employment industry. It, right. it, and I'm trying like hell to, to put myself out there. And it's been tough, actually. But I'm trying to get the youth involved, like you say. Um, recruit, reactivate, yep. retain. Mm-hmm. Um, get them in. Um, yep. But I do want to talk quite a bit about boss shot shells, too, because it's, it's something I really believe in. Like you said, what if we could reduce the number of cripples in lost, half? Cripple, and when boss birds. I would say when Boss came, first came out and I saw that it existed, I said, oh, Bismuth, all right. Well, I shot a lot of green box back in the day. You know, I know what Bismuth is. It was the first ever non-toxic um, alloy that was approved for waterfowl hunting after the lead ban. So it's been around. People know what Bismuth is. So I was like, well, that's an old story, I guess. But it's not. Like, this, or, uh, Boss kind of created this culture where all of a sudden it's cool to pattern your gun. It's cool to say, this is my... This is my tube. This is my load. And I love how Boss um, isn't going for like those 1,700 feet per second loads. It's all tried and true, um, proven ammunition. And there's a culture that's developed around Boss ammunition that's <coughs> not like the green box. It's not like the 1996 Bismuth. And every person we can get to switch to shooting Boss ammunition is going to result in less crippled birds. No doubt. And yeah, would I like it if uh, everybody shot TSS? Sure, but nobody's got twenty dollars per shot show. Mm, I think, and and we have that, right? Mm-hmm. We have TSS too, but it's here's what I tell people: it the bird's already dead. You can't make it deader, <laughs> yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I also don't like. I don't like number nines at 25 yards. Mm -hmm. It's just too much damage Mm -hmm. on a bird. I want to kill the bird. And be able to eat it. Effectively kill it. (laughs) No cripples. I don't want to lose any birds. But you can go overboard and you're like, well, you're just saying that because you have copper-plated boss. Well, no, that's not true. Because we have TSS. If I wanted to make lead, if we wanted to make steel, I mean, we'd make the best one for the very best price. We mm-hmm. will not make steel. It's, I, it's not a, not as effective. I hate it when you see guys like, no, it expert, is. It expert, is two sh- expert two shots always work for me. There's the one thing I love about ammunition. It's the one thing, the literally the one thing that I can think of in waterfall hunting that you can look at the statistics and say, this is better. It's not an opinion. It's not Higdon versus GNH versus Bigfoot. And this is my opinion of this decoy. Mm-hmm. Like there's statistics. Shells are math. The, it's math. Like when so, it bugs me to no end when somebody says, well, I tried a boss. I, sh- I tried a couple boxes of that boss and I didn't think it really hit birds much harder. Are you fucking insane? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And... Let's remember, our, like even, you know, it is, a, it is a bismuth alloy, but ours is different. Ours is different, uh-huh. and then it's tumbled to perfection by Brandon, and the makeup of the shell is completely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, propellants are different, powders, mm-hmm. primers, All that makes a huge difference. And then it's copper-plated, right? Mm-hmm. And once we copper-plated it, that changed the dynamic of that shell greatly. 
I when when I first saw the copper plated, bismuth has a tendency to be a little bit like brittle, um, brittle and it, it might brittle. shatter. So you fix it. So you fix. Is that, that what you guys copper plated? You al- nope. Okay. But it helped with that too. Oh right. No, that's not the real reason we did it. The mm-hmm. real reason we did it was Brandon and I were talking. Do you know Brandon? I don't. You should interview him sometime. The dude is like, he's a fun, you know, he's a fun interview. He knows, he knows his shit big time, right? Mm-hmm. And when he explains why shells work or why they don't, mm-hmm. even better, I, people would go, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I never thought about that before. But there's a reason, right? It's just like you said, they're math, dude. You can't. You can argue two plus two is four, but you're wrong. <laughs> exactly. Right? Okay. So I'm sitting here one night. I wasn't in the barn here. I was in, by the way, this is where Boss was created, right here. He was sitting right there, and I was actually right there, but this is where it happened. And one night, I was sitting, late one night, I was sitting in the house there, and he shot me a text, and he goes, hey, dude, are you up? And I'm like, yeah, of course, you know, I'm up. And he goes, I want to talk to you about something. I said, well, call me. So he he goes, what was that shell that you shot that you said was the best shell ever? And I'm like, Winchester, double X, copper plated, number sixes. Mm -hmm. What? Bar none the best shell ever made for killing a duck. I don't care what anybody says. Mm -hmm. I'm 60 years old and I've killed a lot of them, right? <laughs> yeah. It's it's the it's the best load that was ever made. And he goes, "What did that copper do?" And I'm like, "Well, I can't quantify it because I don't know analytics." Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I said, "But I can tell you what it did to birds, how it hit birds, how it killed." And he goes, "I think I'm gonna because Brandon's a metal plater by okay. trade, uh-huh. right?" He's a generational metal plater. His grandfather, his dad, him. Very, very blue-collar dude. Blue jeans, a T-shirt. <coughs> yeah. Hammers it, right? Plating's a tough industry. He's 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 blue, way blue-collar in Michigan. And so he goes, I'm going to get some copper. I'm going to go down to the other end of the building, and I'm going to plate this shit. And I think he's literally, I think he stayed up all night. Mm-hmm. Plated. The, the same recipe, just copper plated it, loaded them up, and then went and did those pattern boards like that against the same gun choke shell as before. And we found we were doing up to 15% greater pattern density mm-hmm. and then shooting it into gel block at like 40 yards. Mm-hmm. Greater penetration. Interesting. Oh, so I said, maybe because it's not mushrooming as bad, or Mm-mm. it slides, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I, there's a word for it. He knows what that is. I just I get it in my head. Mm-hmm. But when you see it in a gel block, and you go, well, it's not as good as lead. It's not as good. Yeah, it is, dude. Yeah, yeah, it is. <clears throat> and you'd go, you'd go, it can't be because lead weighs more. And I'll give you that, mm-hmm. right? Just by a little but bit. But when you see it. In a gel block, and you see our number four equal to the number four lead. I just look and I go, well, yeah, dude, it shows it right here, mm-hmm. right? And that's the truth. That's the way it is. So that's how the copper plating came in. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, F it. 
we're doing everything in copper now. So everything is. Right, we don't do anything that's not copper plated. We actually own the patent on plating high density metal. So. Oh, that's awesome! And right now, snow goose season too. Um, there's a lot of guys that just buy the cheapest ammo they can and they want to dump the tube. Why would you buy the cheapest ammo you can when you know a lot of your shots are going to be taken at because, longer distance? Because post lead ban in 91, you have roughly three decades of a bad narrative, a false narrative, and really, really shitty shells. Mm -hmm. Think about this. In what other industry... Has the cost of a product went down Elect in thirty years? Calculators, maybe. Well, <laughs> yeah. maybe maybe electronics. Electronics. I'm yeah, saying yeah, yeah. like cars, guns, all oh, this. Oh, none shit. of that. No, no, it's it's way higher. Mm -hmm. Right? Not steel. Not shitty steel shells. You can go to a store and pick up, I think, a low grade box of steel for even around twelve bucks. Or something like that. Right. Ask yourself why. Why 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 did that narrative go to let's buy the cheapest shit we can possibly do? Because you love to it's, chase cripples. It's, well, <laughs> That's why you <laughs> I for the life of me don't get it. Okay, so you know, here's another boss story we talk about a lot. The number is between three point four and three point seven million lost per year. Mm-hmm. Right, you look at that. And when I started doing this, I'm like, "That's staggering." It is. That's a staggering number. Now, if, so here's another thing: people will go, "Well, yeah, you're just saying that because you want to sell Bosch shot shells." No, I don't care what shell you buy. Just buy a good one. Buy mm -hmm. something that kills. Right. Pattern your gun. Learn what. Do you see that pattern right there? Yep. I just shot that the other day. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a an old school Benelli M1. Mm -hmm. I believe that is, is it a two and three quarter inch five? At 30 yards. It's a two and three quarter inch five at 30 yards with factory IM, and then I write the serial number down, so it's this gun right here. It's this old one. Right. This old M1 here, okay. And that's got the pattern you, I wanna see is, is a good well, evenly that's spread. Too tight. That, at 30 yards, in my opinion, that's too tight. I will, right? yeah, 80, 30 yards. That's 88.6%. Right. Okay. That's, so here, so that's a go, little too tight, yeah. So you go, well, I, I don't know, but if you're a goose hunter, if you Maybe. want to shoot honkers and you want to shoot 3-inch three 3s or 3-inch three 4s or 2s, mm -hmm. that's what I'd shoot at... Because at 40 yards, you're going you're gonna to bust them. And I, I hunt with so many goose hunters that got the extended, super tight chokes. Well, what do you do all season long? You shoot birds at 15 yards. They're like, well, I, I clean kill them or I miss. That is not true. Like, right. I don't know. How many greenheads do you kill from here to that wall right there? Most uh, of them. Yeah. Most of them. Right. You want a good. Okay, that's what? 20 yards? Right. I mean. That's going to be much tighter. Like, there's so people are shooting <coughs> chokes that are so tight, they're blowing wings off. They're hitting them just in the guts. I see that all the time. Yeah. Like, we're chasing cripples all over the place. All you guys got these extra long range chokes. We're shooting birds at 12 yards. Yep. Choke it properly. So, and I'm not saying that maybe that is one dude's game. That's like in boss, for boss, when somebody messages me or is asking for help, I like, I ask him to be like, be honest with me. Tell me how. Tell me how you hunt. 
how you shoot, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you really shoot finished birds at 25 yards, no, I'm not going to tell you to do that. Right. But if you're hunting big open water, mm-hmm. open water spaces, cattails, rushes, where you knock a bird down and they get into that stuff and you can loop, yeah, dude, put it on them. And I've, my, I'm, I'm <coughs> allergic to dogs. I've never owned a dog. Uh, so for me, t- the concept of a cripple is devastating to a hunt. I like to hunt a solo quite a bit, and I like to band hunt because... Um, I, I, I don't need 175 dead geese in my freezer, you know? So I need to kill birds dead. And I've always done like gone for a zero cripple season, a zero cripple hunt every single time. And it's a dollar 80 a shell for boss is what I, I checked the website the other is day, a dollar 80. And the, for it's, which one? It was for, um, 12 gauge, three inch, three inch. Yeah. Something? Number five shot. Yeah. And Guys are uh, shooting a lot of this, like hypersonic and stuff. They're paying thirty some dollars a box for twenty five of them. That's over a buck a piece. Like, it's not, it's not out of, it's not out of reality to say I am going to spend more on steel than I am on boss. You eventually will in the long run. You will exactly. And this three point seven million figure you throw around is just absolutely <coughs> mind blowing. And right. I've heard you say, uh, you know, the sheep hunter doesn't spend a hundred grand and just pick up a random gun, but a waterfall hunter does do that. They and, do it. They and, don't even know what they're doing, dude. <laughs> they don't I, know what they're doing. I saw one time the Snow Goose Guide Service was, um, part of their package price was the ammunition. So when you showed up, you just brought a gun. And I go, how fucking genius is that? And then if I was a Snow Goose Guide, I would for sure buy Boss for... And, and 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 put that into the package price because that's so smart. Like it, as a guide, it's work. And if I can control what people shoot, and if I have thirty-seven percent or fifty percent less cripples because I give everybody boss, I, how much easier did I just make my life? Plus, <laughs> plus, I mean, just think about it on the consumer. Think about like the consumer experience, right? Mm-hmm. How how the consumer is like, oh man, that is I can't even believe I did that. Is awesome, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we hear it. Well, daily, right? Mm-hmm. It has all kinds of benefits. So the one thing somebody could say is, <coughs> they're like, yeah, but it's more expensive than shitty steel. Well, okay. It's more expensive only the day you pick it off the shelf and you buy it. From that point forward, that box of shitty steel is going to become more expensive than a copper-plated boss will. Have you ever been on a body of water and seen someone cripple a green head or god forbid a bluebill or a canvas back and you get that much of their head yep little bit of their back yep and they're doing this and you're trying to kill that bird with a three inch bb or a three inch two not happening not happening dude that's a miracle shot (coughs) you will shoot you will shoot 10 shells 20 (laughs) and maybe not kill that duck so you tell me how that is more expensive or less expensive than copper-plated boss. It's not. No. That's what I'm saying. And I, I hunt because it's fun. <coughs> I love to hunt. I, and you know what's not fun? Chasing a cripple. And I hate cripples. I hate them. It, it'll it make me lose sleep if I lose a goose. You know, I just, I need right. to find them. And uh, you're, you're talking about a buddy of yours that's doing like Watt. zero cripple Jeff season. Watt. The last two years. I asked him the same question. I'm like, hey, dude. I said, how many birds did you lose this year? And he's like, 
me or people I've been with? And I said, well, you. And he goes, no. Right. Not being a, no. Is he a good shooter? Yeah, he's a great shooter. He's really good. But he's a better duck hunter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. They get in his wheelhouse. He kills him. He picks him up. Right? Mm-hmm. I said, how about people you were with? He said, and almost everybody, his whole clan, they all shoot boss. <coughs> and he's like, uh, maybe two. And I'm like, dude, that is awesome. You went a whole year and you've hunted with a bunch of people. And all you can remember is two. If we did that, we don't need federal legislation. We don't need any federal mandates. We don't need anybody to tell us shit, right? That's something that we can cut that number in half in one year if people would just do it. What if Ducks Unlimited said they were getting 3.7 million extra ducks? We'd all be giving them a thousand bucks a year. Well, think about it. Think about it. So if you do 3.4 to 3.7 loss, that's one what is that one seven to what roughly 1.7 1.8 million Mm -hmm. that i believe we could save you know less cripples you're taking 1.8 million and you're gonna you're sending them back to the breeding grounds right i don't know how you can't get your head wrapped around. Now, do people want to go, that's not true. It's all bullshit. It's not true. Well, it, yeah, you can argue it, but yeah, it is true. It is. And the only reason you're saying it is because you want to buy cheap, shitty ammo. You're making an excuse, and I've never had no problem with my expert number twos. Really? Is that true? You've no. never had any problems? No, it's not with, true. It's not true. No, you're telling yourself no. that. And I've done a lot of shooting where I use cheap ass steel number twos, and I have I do go for zero cripples, and I achieve it almost every time. <coughs> but I don't take shots over like eighteen yards, you know. Like if you want to be a real hunter, and I mean you are, let's be real, people are taking shots that are marginal. I don't go out into the marsh so I can spend an hour looking for a cripple. I go out there so I can shoot my birds right. and and sit in the sit in my boat. Sit with uh, uh, my buddy and talk to them. I don't want to be paddling across this goddamn slough looking for some teal I crippled. Like, that takes away the enjoyment entirely. Or if I were to cripple a goose, I know if I'm out there looking for that thing across the across the swamp that I'm going to look up back and I'm going to see that green neck collar or some, something crazy rare is just going to be buckling into the spread. And I'll be sitting across the slough going, this is not why I came out here today. Right. right. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, another thing I've heard you mention too is like habitat. We need to get more habitat for birds. Mm-hmm. And if you look at, um, Minnesota does a pretty good like uh, survey, May counts, and they do May pond counts, and they do breeding duck counts. And our pond counts are pretty similar to the, w- the way they were in the 50s in, for like May counts. And then our breeding birds continue to trend upwards. So I know there's like, eh, well, it's funny math they've used to come up with all those duck numbers anyway. And they admit that. They admit that too. But I think there's not enough, um, there's not enough focus on September, October, November habitat. We've got fantastic May habitat. Like, uh, like I was telling you, you got to check your shoes for mallards in the morning in April uh, in Fridley. There's mallards everywhere around the city and uh 
That is not the case in September, October. Everybody's always going, well, where are the ducks? They're on good habitat. And we do have fantastic duck habitat in May. Mm-hmm. But what are we going to do to increase hunter enjoyment? That's going to increase re- uh, recruitment, retainment. Um, do you have any thoughts on like what we do for September, October, November habitat? Well, I mean, I mean, the biggest factor there is is the speed at which modern farming works. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. I mean, it's that's a tough one too. I mean, again, back in the seventies, you had plowing, right? Mm-hmm. It was you know you'd go anywhere west of here between here and South Dakota and North Dakota. It was plowed fields. They were black, right? So. Now we have, with no-till farming, and you have crop that stays out later, I think there's plenty of food. Mm-hmm. I think there's plenty of food for them. I just don't think the water, the quality of the water is like it used to be. I think you're right. The quality of the, I'm not saying we, obviously in Minnesota we have a ton of water. I just think the quality is a lot different than it used to be. And with tiling, and yeah, you lose ponds when you tile out a field. But also, um, the more tiling you put into a certain ditch that runs into a certain stream that runs into a certain river, you increase the speed at which that water travels. The more water that gets flushed into it like a toilet every time it rains. When you increase the speed, you're going to increase the erosion, and all that is going to kind of cumulatively, whatever lake it's draining into or passing through, whatever, you're going to put more sediment in there. It's going to kill it faster. There's kind of a a cumulative effect of this more than just, Mm -hmm. well, that pond's not on that field anymore. Yeah, but the lakes downstream are also dead now. And I, I, um, I guess we do get good mallard habitat, too, in December, too. We see a lot of mallards around here, especially Mm -hmm. like May. December, but we do see mostly an exodus of ducks, and they do go down south to Arkansas mm-hmm. and Missouri. And have you heard about these transmitter studies they're doing, North and South Dakota? Some, yep. I emailed bit. the woman, uh, a lady, emailed me back. I said, you know, what are your thoughts? Because my always, I always had a theory that the mallards chase the combines north, because we've all set up like September one or September two in Minnesota in a wheat field, and had like a crazy duck show. And uh, I've never even seen a youth day occur on a, on a dry field in Minnesota for ducks. But ducks are still eating grain fields on September 15th. They're just doing it in Saskatchewan. I asked this, uh, I said, is that what's happening? The mallards moving north as you go from September 1 to September 10 to September 20? And she's like, no. Well, yes, but also no. She's like, a lot of them are just going anywhere and they seem to just be very good at finding the habitat that they want and how do how do we make that here and <laughs> make them stick around and make it so we can actually have quality hunts that um result in more duck hunters well i think there's people are a big factor in that population of people mm-hmm. ducks wild ducks love quiet Agreed. They love quiet. They'll seek seclusion. Out. Yep. Mm-hmm. They'll seek out quiet things, right? Mm-hmm. It's not very quiet in Minnesota. I and that same uh, biologist said, like, I'm. She's like, I, I'm really, really wondering how, um, how small of an area a hundred thousand ducks can fit into, because when they find that one oh, little, qu- one little quiet oh. spot, 
They can there can be a hundred thousand of them that well, are sitting. Could be a hundred thousand on my farm right here. They're not. <laughs> but I'm saying they're not. But I'm saying that kind of could they fit here? Oh, they don't need much. And pressure can result in like when you get that. And um, I want there to be more duck hunters, but I also want the pressure to be mitigated. So sometimes I think like, can we reduce our footprint that we're creating? So yeah, there's a lot of hunters out there. But the same concept as the Saskatchewan in the 70s. We only shot at 150. You know, everybody's shooting these three and a half inch, 1700 feet per second, a ported choke, which is going to make the gun louder. Um, you're putting it out into the atmosphere like hunters here. Like if we could, I mean, kind of sniper style, sneak in, well, sneak why out. At Boss, you know, I mean, I, you've probably heard this, but we're all a bunch of sub gauge. Freaks, Me too. You know, I yep. mean, I shoot a 28 gauge. Mm -hmm. I'm a 20 gauge guy. Yeah. And, and people are like, why do you do that? Well, because, first of all, they're effective killers. That 28-gauge shell of ours, especially in a number five, is just an animal at killing ducks. And it just the, the minimal impact on the environment and the birds. They're quiet. You know, it just, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm into that too, like the noise. The noise, you I take, think, is big. You take an outfit and you take 8, 10, 12 dudes and a in a marsh and you hear them banging away and stuff like that dude they're all gone I, yeah and they're gone that thunderstorm that it creates i it, mean yeah they're gone they don't ducks don't ducks and geese don't care about people they care yep. about getting fucking killed <laughs> yep. and uh i mean that's why the geese don't give a shit about you on a golf course because right. you're not killing them right. um what do you think about suppressors? Do you think that will ever become legal? Like, God, I think that could make a big difference if a lot of people started using suppressed mm -hmm. ammunition. Like, um, how can we reduce our... <coughs> how much do these ducks even know we're there? They know it pretty goddamn good when you take 10 guys in a field and, and create a thunderstorm. I, I mean, I'm sure we could take a look at all kinds of things, but I think until we take a real hard look at Habitat and conservation is always going to be the key. I mean, I think it's all peripheral type stuff, but it's habitat. It it is. It just it's going to all boil down to habitat. And you need just more of it too, just to disperse these birds. You disperse you need the birds. More of it. You need more of it to disperse predators. And disperse we no, us. We no longer. We no longer. Trapping isn't a cool thing anymore. That's another thing when I was a kid, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Trapping, I mean, it, it's... It, Delta does it, <coughs> but... Um, well, they're huge into predator control. That's, their, yep, that's yep. Their part of their game, for sure. But even just to disperse us. And I think, too, that the... <clears throat> like, you look at Fergus Falls. Yep. That town is lined with pits, or circled by pits. <coughs> but yep. if there's 100,000 geese in that town... Um, and everybody, it's a blizzard that rolls through. Everybody in everybody in every pit limits out. There's still only 500, 700 Canada geese that died that day. That's a very small percentage. They're kind of learning the school of fish mentality where, I mean, they are safer being at 100,000 in one town and then uh, accepting a certain amount of hunting pressure because there's a pretty low odds I'm going to die today compared to like 300 where you got two groups of guys chasing them in the same rural right. town. We're training them to be better at avoiding us. I think habitat could be one of those things that just starts to spread them back out. How was how was Fergus last year? Did the was last year the first year the power plant closed? 
I think it was, or it might have closed right at the end of the season. Was but it? I do believe it's closed now. For good? I think so. Okay, so what kind of effect is that going to have on the Fergus area? And the... Oh, it's going to have an effect. Do you think Lacaparo might uh, start to become a spot again? I think Iowa. Iowa is huge now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I think they're going to get, I think they're going to get those birds. Maybe you're right. Maybe Lacoparle will be like back in the 70s again, you know? Oh, right. man, it was outrageous. I was there then. on a 300,000 year. Oh, it's crazy. Nuts. Greenheads do. Nuts. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, nuts. yeah. the amount of birds <laughs> that would be from like Lacoparle and then north through Odessa and Big Stone and then up into Traverse. I mean, that whole area, I mean, that was a, like a primo. And my dad grew up in Montevideo. Oh, he and Monty? Yep. So do you know where Clarkfield is? Yeah. That's where my family's from. Oh, my, uh, actually, my uh, um, grandparents owned a, was it a gas station in Clarkfield. 12 miles from Monty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. my uh, grandpa was a farmer till he got polio. That's where my family's from, right there. Oh, yeah, mine too. Um, probably related in some way, me and you. <laughs> As I learned, all of yeah. us are, all of us Norwegians from that area of the country, somehow. Right. <laughs> um. Well, hey, we're coming up against your hard stop. Uh, thank you yeah. very much, I guess, uh, for taking the time out of your day to talk about Anytime. this. Anytime. I feel like uh, we could probably do another 7 to 12 hours and it not touch be hard. on... Yeah, but um, uh, I'll let you get out of here. Let's and do it again. Let's do it again. And uh, thank you very much for uh, making Boss Ammunition and also for... Uh, for creating this culture of that's actually benefiting birds. Well, I think if we do, you know, promote the boss, promote a zero zero loss, perfect season mentality, it'd be very interesting to me. Social media is a big dick contest. Well, is there any way we could take that and make it benefit birds? Like, yeah. hey, I, mean, I got I zero this. losses. I created this. <laughs> Here, I'll show them. try to wrap our narratives up in these stickers so and they're super high quality made in the <coughs> u.s here so like this whole thing on, oh that's awesome I'm putting it on paper so I've, here's here's I've one so you can take this and put this like on get like one of those yeti loadout buckets like i have there and i have all my patterning stuff in there that's awesome. See, this is the culture so stuff I'm talking about. Your, this is all your math here. This one is unleaded. Mm-hmm. Right? To, like, bring awareness to the uplands and wetlands and all lands, actually, to remove lead yeah. from the environment. Totally but with this. This is the know, your, know the shot. So know yourself off. That's awesome. Know yourself off a bad shot. Do you have the discipline to do it? Go, that's a tip. Don't do it. Right? So those are fucking all awesome. Boss, those are all boss narratives there. So here, no I'm, cripples. Here, here. I fucking love that. Take them. No, I I, I love the concept of like, <coughs> hey, everybody wants to be the best waterfall hunter. I do too. I just did I you lose a bird I'm, last season? I didn't. No, I just I want to make that a bragging rights thing. Like I got, it? I had a perfect I mean, season. Did you? How many did you lose? I started to hear me. No, no, like just any. yeah, just oh. anybody like oh. online like. Just, but how many birds you cripple? Like? It's so cool. When a younger fella like you will DM me through the you know Instagram account and say, "Hey, I just wanted you to know I shot your shorty number fives 
and I, I killed five ducks and blah, blah, blah. And then I text him or I DM him back and I'm like, how many did you lose? And he goes, none. I'm like, perfect, dude. Yeah. Perfect. That, that is a bragging rights <coughs> thing that would perfect. actually... So, many, so much of this bragging rights shit is bad for the birds. Mm-hmm. Like these 80 bird piles, all that shit. It's not good for ducks. This is. So, we can use the evil for some good. <laughs> oh, I think we totally can, for sure. And this is the type of like culture, narrative. Like You've got information going out to people people are interested in patterning their mm-hmm. guns i'm 100 percent all about this shit and getting a no no crippled no Good. no lost season man Good. so yeah thanks again for taking the time uh check out boss ammunition uh pattern <coughs> your gun uh find out what's the best at the distance you shoot what do you hunt because when i do no cripples i love pass shooting I'm a pass shooter. I Me love too. to do I it. I love it too. I love pass shooting. Me too. I don't get any challenging. I do not lose birds when I pass shoot either. It's not unethical. So if, if mm-hmm. you do your homework and, uh, um, I mean, it makes hunting funner. No. I hate chasing cripples. Well, I, just, I just don't <laughs> like seeing them. I got makes me they make me feel bad they still do they did when i was a boy and they still do i just i want to see him dead waterfall has made my life enjoyable oh my life has been i've met all the best people i've had the most adventures right thanks to these birds i have too much respect for them to right. want to do anything that <clears throat> fucking is disrespectful you know yeah <laughs> including cripple ones yeah. so yeah all right Before we go, another 12 hours. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thanks a lot, Lee. Thank you. Thanks for having me on anytime. All right, talk to you soon. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. (laughs) Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss life on the water. Every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. (laughs) The destination for outdoor entertainment.